you're in Seattle, Seattle. And you need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to rodandbouncedown.com. The Ron and Don Show is brought to you by, in part, Ron and Don. They're both licensed brokers at Windermere. Hey, you guys. What's going on? And welcome to episode 546 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are right back here in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up in the Ron and Don Show, uh, we got a new mid-century modern home coming on this week. I can't wait to tell you about Also, writers go on strike. Late night shows begin to cancel. How about that? And also, are you showering correctly? Uh, Ron is here. He's going to take a shower in front of me, and I'm going to coach him. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. Charlie's here. Maybe he'll do that. We'll get to that, though. Let's get to this. We often talk about the homeless crisis here in Seattle. It's just not a crisis here. If you've traveled around the country, you've seen the same. In fact, I just came back from New Orleans where I saw the homeless crisis there. They have tents. But maybe I counted 15 or 20 tents throughout the city and where the tents were. Things were very clean and nice. And I must say, uh, a lot of times people wonder, how come we have all these tents in Seattle and not so many tents in New Orleans? It's just there's a lot more abandoned buildings in New Orleans. There's 54,000 abandoned buildings at home still since 18 years ago. They had Hurricane Katrina. So there's a lot of places to hide. Remember when the homeless, over 200 people, lived in the Seattle Times building here in Seattle? Well, all the buildings, especially when you think about where a lot of the homeless people used to live off of Yale. I remember people living in old homes down there where there's a little company now called Amazon. I lived down there when they started knocking on doors, buying up homes. And they said, yeah, there's this guy named Paul Allen that's buying up homes, and he's about to build something extraordinary down here. So, But as we look around the left coast, we see a lot of this in Los Angeles. I I will not go back to San Francisco because the last time I went back to San Francisco, and I love this city, it's a tragedy to me. Uh, But every time you get out of a cab, an Uber, off a bus, the BART, whatever it is, everywhere you go. It's homeless. It's crisis. It feels unsafe. And there are people that are beginning to move away in, in, in droves from people like, from places like San Francisco, even if they're just going out to a bedroom community like Walnut Creek. So we can sit here and complain and talk. I think we all understand the problem, but but we're all looking for solutions. And this is kind of a cool solution in San Francisco where they are having singles get together. And instead of just meeting on Bumble and going out for something to eat, uh, they're grabbing garbage bags. They're actually going through the city and they're cleaning up the city, which I find to be extraordinary. I often wondered, because I have thought from time to time about, you know, if I were the mayor, if I ran for the, what would be some of my ideas? And the one thing that I've never seen here in Seattle that I think would be really great and we should try, and I think a lot of people would jump in and do this, is if you just had an annual day every year here in the city where we cleaned up the city and you asked people to take to the streets, you dropped off extra garbage cans, contractor bags, whatever it takes, you opened up the dumps, you invited people to come and dump for free or whatever, and 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 we would somehow figure out a way in, in, our, in, in our budget to pay for this. I think a really dumb idea 
is the mayor's idea to say, you know what we're going to do is we're going to take $2 million of COVID money and we're going to start replacing the glass that's been broken out in downtown Seattle. Guess what happens when you replace the glass and you don't put up iron and you don't hire police and people don't feel safe? The same exact idiots come back a day later and they break out the glass again. If you don't believe me, go to the Queen Anne Dispatch, even at the top of my hill, where they have broken out the glass there 17 times. And they finally said to themselves, we're not replacing the glass anymore. So when you drive by uh, the Queen Anne, which is just a boutique store that, uh, that also serves as a post office, and I have a P.O. box there. So, so a lot of times... When you go by there and you see the same three windows broken out, it's because they decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have some iron built, some iron gates. Uh, this is what they do in big cities that have big city problems. This isn't going away. The husband used to sleep out in the car outside of Queen Anne Dispatch, they told me. And even when he would watch people break in, he'd call the police and they couldn't get there in time. Because, again, a lot of times here on Queen Anne, you might have one officer maybe two on patrol, and if something goes down, they have to borrow and beg from other parts of the city to get squad cars there. So I think this is kind of unique. I think this is fun. I think this is amazing. I think this is a real problem. And and ultimately, you know, we can't make mayors do specific things. Uh, We can vote for mayors and new city council members if people want to be mayors and city council members. I don't know why you'd want to be at this point. Because I can't look back at one mayor where everybody goes, wow, Mayor Rice, really great mayor. Wow, really love Mayor Nichols. When they actually were pretty good mayors, right? City council, who do you love? Who do you think was great? And and typically people can't come up with names. It's a thankless job. And it seems like at this point that nobody wants to do it. Ron, your thoughts on singles get together and cleaning up San Francisco with something like that, a version of that work here in Seattle. I will say. A year ago, we went to clean up my son's school. I contacted the principal. She said no one will jump in. And and we had, I think, 74 people show up to help clean up the school. I think people here want to help. They just don't know what to do. So Yeah, I, I read the article as well. It's, it, it is an interesting concept. It's, it's, it's funny to me to overlay a uh, dating prospect with trash pickup. But, you know, I, I guess it's... If you're two, two people that are community service oriented, it, it could be it's as good a place as any to meet someone. The, the thing that I always think about on on what you just raised is the evolution of community uh, in our cities. You and I both grew up where we went to church a lot, and this would be something that you we would do at the church. Like we would get the youth group together and we might do a service day or, or you would back in the day, if you were in Boy Scouts or, or whatever it was, there was an infrastructure th- around community service and around these things that we just don't have anymore. Uh, and it's just the evolution of society. Like we live in a, in a part of the world that is very unchurched. Uh, there's not a ton of, of, of community involvement in that way. Like I, I've gone to a couple meetings of like, uh, you know, the rotary club or, or whatever, just to sort of see what's out there in Seattle specifically doesn't really engage along those lines that you would have in other parts of the country. So finding ways like this dating situation where you're going to pick up trash, I think is really interesting. Um, Your talk on the the homeless thing always gets me because we've been doing this. uh, It's been an issue on the front page of our lives for 20 years now. 
that and, and as i drive around and i look and and like I, I like to ride the bus downtown and so there's a bus stop right by where i live i can hop on the bus and for three dollars it'll take me right to pike place market right down there on the second or third avenue i can go right into like restaurants and all that stuff or if i'm going to a show like i went to a, a show a while back i can just take the comp that i don't have to drive so i can have an adult beverage down there and you get when you get off in that corridor now that used to be the crown jewel of downtown Seattle. Used to walk to Westlake Center, down to Pike Place Market, and all around there were stores and restaurants and vibrant people, and you saw different ethnicities and ages and children and old people, and you would see street performers and Spoon Man would be playing, or all of that stuff was it was a little bit weird, a little bit Seattle-ish, a little bit grungy, but it was it was very cool, and I never felt unsafe. I never felt like uh, it, it, if my parents came to town or people from out of town, they go, hey, we got to go down. Let's go down to Westlake. We can get on the monorail. It'll take us back to Seattle. Like that was one of the stops on the tour where you could go down and feel like, oh, let's walk down to Pioneer Square. Or maybe we're going to go to a, a football game or a baseball game. And it was part of a thing that was Seattle to me. And now, like when my brother comes to town. There's no way in H-E double hockey sticks, as your mom used to say, that, that I would want to take him down there. Uh, and, and he'll want to go to a Mariner game. Wait, my mom used to say that or your mom used to say that? Your mom used to say No, my mom would just say, damn it to hell. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. Who said H-E double hockey sticks? She didn't. She your grandma? Like my grandmother. Grandma H-E yeah. yeah, double hockey sticks. That's grandma. And, and, and when you go down there now, uh, I, in, in some ways, I think it's a force of will of, of our politicians uh, because it is Lord of the Flies. Like open drug use, feces, urine smells everywhere. All the wind, all the businesses are moving out of there. Uh, I think Columbia Sports just shut down. Uh, all the restaurants are shutting down. The Walgreens looks like you're going into Beirut. Uh, it's got security cameras and sirens and everything. Every everything is locked behind a glass. You can't even buy like a pack of gum in there without getting a key to open open the gum. Uh, so like. It takes a force of will in a sense. And everyone goes, oh, well, they got rights and where are we going to put them and all that stuff. Well, we've been trying to figure this out for 20 years. Like have some answer. Yeah. Like when I, you go to Chicago and you're down on the Miracle Mile, they go, you don't see this. You know, they know that, hey, when someone comes to Chicago, you're going go to you're, you're get shot. No, they, I mean, they know they're going to murder, murder city, capital, all the big cities, not, not on the miracle mile. It isn't when I was there. Well, you're, you're so now my, you're talking toothpaste. My, now, my, my now, point now is, now is you're like, saying you, 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 everything with, you can tie all this back to the jungle, the era that you're talking about, the jungle existed. And so did a shanty town with a lot more people than are living on our streets right now. The bottom line is this, when they shut down the jungle and I remember Carl Gardner calling me to his office at Cairo and said, you know what? This is this is a tube of toothpaste because when they shut that down, because every city has this, and we had it in a certain spot and place that we were all okay with because we didn't see it, and now what this is going to do, it's going to go into every park and every neighborhood in Seattle, and that's exactly what happened. Of course. So there's a jungle in every city, and you just have to figure out how are we going to deal with our jungle, and here in Seattle, the jungle's out of control because the, the jungle is now everywhere, and a lot of neighborhoods, we don't like it. But, but politicians you know, in other big cities protect their crown jewels. Yeah, like when you go to the Miracle Miles, I said you tourists go there and they feel safe and they walk around and they spend a lot of money. When you go to New York, where I just was, 
You can go down to, to Times Square. You can walk by the New York Times building. You can go down Broadway and you don't see this kind of thing because New York knows when tourists come here, these are the lower Manhattan, go to the, the you know, the Oculus building and the, and the, and the World Trade Museum. You don't see this because but locals they know people will, locals, are there. Locals will tell you they're, they're afraid as they've ever been uh, to get on the subway. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of them walk. When I was there, 10 people got shot in the subway 11 stops down and we ended up walking from Staten Island all the way up to Central Park. And I just told my son, hey, we're going to go on a really fun walk. <laughs> he didn't realize he's walking through half the city because we didn't want to get back on the subway because sure, I that's hadn't fair. caught that gunman yet. That's so, totally fair. But, so every, so but every city we, has we've surrendered. This is my point is Seattle has just surrendered uh, one of the, the crown jewels. I, of sent, the city. I sent you an article, Ted Wheeler, who's a very, very progressive liberal politician in Portland and he has finally come out and it's really interesting to see when I talk to my very liberal very liberal friends who are like oh you're one of those in my backyard guys now that it's in their backyard too they don't love it so much and what Ted Ted Wheeler said is I'm mad as hell because I was on board with the decriminalization of not just soft drugs but hard drugs so we've decriminalized this criminals know this from all around the country and they have come and we've seen that certainly here in Seattle as well and San Francisco and some other places and he said what's upsetting to him is where are the services, the hospitalization, places for people to go that we can drop them off to? Because uh, if you're going to get off heroin, it's about an 18-month journey uh, if you're going to try. And for a lot of people, it ends up taking five years or they end up dead, especially now you mix in fentanyl. Uh, and some of these other drugs, purple, everything else, it's amazing to me. Drugs are just getting harder, and as they get harder, people are acting crazier. And as people are acting crazier, we need more police. We defunded that. We have less police. And and to Mayor Wheeler's point, and here's a guy, I mean, think about what's happened in his city, right? And he has supported the homeless and the homeless industrial complex, but he even finally had enough and said, hey, look, we have to have a place to take people off our streets, and it can't be a jail cell. Uh, it has to be a place, though, that people are going to go where either they're going to get punished, and if you don't get punished, you're going to get treatment. It's one or the other. I'll give you the final say. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Portland has done the same thing when you go to downtown Portland. Uh, it has evolved in a way that I don't think anyone yeah. would go, this is good for the city, this is good for people. And, and that's the thing that I think I would like to always go back to is, is special interest groups have learned how to be the loudest people in the room and they get the most attention and it doesn't the, the vast 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 majority of people are good they're hardworking. they don't comment on everything they don't hold a sign up and yell through a bullhorn they don't attend a, a meeting and go give their two minutes at the podium they, they're just living their life trying to live their best life and those are the people that always get boxed out because they're just they don't have their own little lobby they don't have their own uh little moniker they don't have their own you know ribbon that you need to wear and, and it's that to me is the sad part because when you like you and i dealing in real estate the people that we deal with Nine times, 99 times out of 100, just great middle-of-the-road people. Uh, and they're not, they're not out there protesting. And so it's the people that get super loud and aggravated that tend to get the most attention. And it's, it's depriving the rest of us of going, can I just take my brother down to Westlake Center when he comes and visits me? Yeah. Is that too much to ask for? Yeah, I don't think it is. We'll see you guys in 60. 
Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don here with my good friend, Ron. You may have heard of us. Anyway, you probably haven't heard of her, Ron. We have a brand new team member, Team Ron and Don Real Estate, right? Yeah, her name is Mara, and Mara just left one of the big tech firms, uh, and now she's doing real estate. Mara, what was it like dealing with folks in tech and specifically with housing in Seattle? Yeah, the housing market in Seattle can be a little bit tricky. Um, Seattle has a lot of very different and great neighborhoods. So having somebody that can help you find the right neighborhood for you and what you like to do um, is really important when coming to a new city, especially when you're trying to meet people who have similar interests or are close to the activities that you like. Um, So what I want you to do is if you are, uh, maybe you're not in tech or not moving around, if you know someone who is or their kid is or they're trying to leapfrog from tech company to tech company, Mara's on our team now. She's an expert in this specific area. So if you would like to do a sit down with us and meet her, you can go to ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to uh, the Ron and Don Show. Let's talk about the writers right now going on strike. They haven't been on strike in 15 years. Over 11,000 writers. It's in, and they took a vote. Should we, should, we, uh, should we walk here or not? 98% of them said we should take a walk because streaming has changed everything, and we are not getting our peace of the pie. I think it's really interesting. I listened to a podcast called fly on the wall. In fact, I was listening to it when Ron drove up today and doing a little prep for this show. And it's Dana Carvey from Saturday night live. You know him with Mike Myers and Wayne's world. And of course he did a great, uh, a George Bush, a great George Bush, thousand points of light, all that stuff. So he's on there with David Spade, right? And you probably remember David Spade from some of the movies that he did with Chris Farley, like Tommy boy. And so they do a, a podcast and, and, and listen to it. I think you'll like it. Uh, they have on current Saturday Night Live members because that's kind of where they got launched. And then they also have on uh, those that have hosted, those that were writers. I heard Conan on there the other day. They had Keenan Thompson on there this morning. He's been on there 20 years. Can you believe it? And when those guys are brought to Saturday Night Live, most of them, in fact, if you watch the credits, You'll see those that are hired and they're making real money. In fact, back in the day, maybe they'd make $1,500 a show, which was a lot of money to them, David Spade will say. But when he first started out, he was just one of the writers. He wasn't one of the featured players. And some of the writers are trying to write stuff, not only to get on, but they're also trying to write stuff where some of the other actors there that are more seasoned and they have a familiar face to America where they can hit home runs. And sometimes you're writing something and you'll give yourself a little part and then you're trying to make sure that Dan Aykroyd has a great night. They say it's interesting because back in the day, they only had six players and a lot of those players, you had the players and you had the writers and they learned later on, you know what, we're going to bring the writers in, some of those writers that really want some TV time and we're going to make them right and we're not going to pay them much. But as a result of that, they are going to have opportunities to go out and film things like Tommy Boy, where I think Chris Farley and his second movie, Black Sheep, made over $7 million guaranteed. And that's after making a couple thousand dollars on Saturday Night Live. So a lot of those players don't end up getting, they don't end up making a lot of money. But when you hear everyone on this podcast, they talk about the fact that this really was the launching point 
for their careers. The big thing that they say is hard to do is it's hard to write. And they said it's also hard to find an on and off ramp when it comes to movies. Because back in the day, what you would do is you would go and do a lot of stand-up. And then from stand-up, you go to Saturday Night Live. From Saturday Night Live, you try to get a TV deal. From TV, you try to make a movie, or you try to make a movie and do a TV deal. They say now that people can just become a TikTok star, there's all kinds of different avenues to become famous. But let's look at some of the late-night shows. If you watch some of the late-night shows now or even Saturday Night Live, and I remember Ron explaining this to me years ago, he said because of the Internet, people want things in bite-sized pieces, And so a lot of people that are consuming Saturday Night Live, they're not staying up like we used to. They're just, they're watching the opening monologue or they are watching uh, a skit that they love. Like back in the day, maybe you'd sit there and you'd watch Wayne's World or currently I love the skit. What's up with that? So, uh, which has been on nine times. I love it. I was watching it this morning with my son. So there's these little bite-sized pieces, but you have to be a very good writer. And you have to be such a good writer that, that, you know, Jimmy Fallon depends upon you because not only does he need some ratings at night, but he really needs to score when it comes to the internet. You see Kimmel doing that. And that's one of the reasons why David Letterman was out. He's like, I don't want to do bite-sized stuff. My stuff is not working on the internet. The top 10 doesn't work. None of it works. Even if you see Howard Stern and I watch him in clips every day, Howard Stern compared to some young internet stars and as great as an interviewer he is and all the research and all the writing that they do on that show, because his audience is so is, is, is older. Logan Paul will put something online that will get you know 1.2 million views, and Howard Stern could do the same interview and get 10,000 views. So things have really changed. Ron, what do you think uh, writers deserve right now? Because I think a lot of these shows that are on TV and, and, and even on terrestrial, they're becoming more and more dependent on writers that can write things in bite-sized pieces that's in score on the internet. And, and also score with streaming services, and they want to get paid. So, Yeah, I mean, the old cliche, the answer to all your questions is money, uh, is never more true than this. And, and I think the battle here, uh, at least the way I think about it, is you know you have, the, you have sort of the television and entertainment complex that, that has been around forever. And there's a certain infrastructure there, and there's a lot of money to be had there, and the big projects, when they happen, make a lot of money. But there's a lot of stuff that doesn't make a lot of money, and a lot of stuff where you're just trying to fill programming. And so if you're saying, my profession is a writer, I'm in the system, I'm in a union, like I'm playing by the rules here, I I am part of the machine that is making content for a, a, a place that has an office, like it's not the Logan Paul, like a place that, it's part of a company. We're traded on the stock market. Like I, I'm going to work, you know, I'm sitting in a writer's room in an office building in a city with other people. I have a boss that I report to. If you're in that lane, then I, I get your desire to strike. Cause you're like, wait a minute. Like I, I can read our financial report cause we're a publicly traded company. Somebody's making a lot of money. You know, somebody's uh, the, some of these shows. I like. I know what some of the salaries are going around here. I'm contributing to this thing, and and I would like to be compensated fairly. I totally support those people. At the same time, what you just said is also true. Where like, there's a couple people that I will follow on social media that I would put up against any Saturday Night Live sketch right now, uh, in in terms of my enjoyment of it. 
that they're just a person. <laughs> like they're just a uh, like. There's one woman that does this parody of the Kardashian family. She's extremely funny. They're well shot, well written, well acted. She edits them great. And I don't know how much money she's making, but her audience is, you know, 700,000, a million people. Some of her stuff gets millions of plays when, when it happens. And, and I'm just assuming she's making a pretty good living because she continues to do it. There's some comedians that do these sketches that I think are are very well done. They're not attached to anything. And, and you, you think about what it ta- what does it take to become an Ozark or to become a Ted Lasso? You think of all the channels that are out there right now and all the services. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people in the entertainment side that regret breaking everything up. Uh, I have a very good friend that's in a, uh, that works pretty high up in the world of Disney. And he's like, man, like we're building all these streaming things. It's like back in the day, you just got, you were just on cable. You, <laughs> you know, you had your channel had its slot. Yeah. And you got paid from those cable rights, and now we you have to get your own audience. And so uh, it's funny because I remember clearly one day uh, your son was over at my place, and he wanted to watch something on Disney Plus, and I didn't have Disney Plus. He's like, "Why don't you have it? It's free." Oh. And I was like, "No, it's not free. Your dad actually pays for Disney Plus. It's free to you, but your dad has to pay." <laughs> But he just thought you just turned your TV on and you could watch yeah. anything on Disney. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I get that the media landscape is changing, uh, but there's so much money to be had in the end. I, I just think Fox News is is doing a settlement for $760 million, and they're not going out of business. So imagine the type of money at the network level that is still out there mm-hmm. when that's what their settlement number is. Uh, and of course they fired a couple of people, but to have seven over $750 million that you can just go, yeah, write that check. Cause we want this to go away, uh, in a lawsuit means that there are billions of dollars at stake there. And I think that the creatives do deserve a bigger slice of the pie. Yeah. All right. You guys uh, don't go anywhere. We'll see you on the other side. All right, you guys, we're sitting here with uh, Mitch from Mitch.Loans. And Ron, it's kind of weird. Mitch came in here with a leverage board, and he has a bunch of levers in front of him. What's going on here? That's right, Mitch. First-time homebuyers, I don't know if they understand they're using leveraged money to create wealth. Explain that. That's correct. So let's say on a million-dollar house, you put 20% down. Your investment is $200,000. When people talk about homes going up 20%, that's your home going from 1% to one2 one million two hundred thousand dollars, right? So your investment of two hundred thousand dollars has turned into four hundred thousand dollars. You're doubling your investment. Your investment didn't go up twenty percent. Your investment went up a hundred percent. Right. And so when you talk about getting a loan, and even if you did less than that, let's so say you put ten percent down, your money, your equity is even a greater position because you're able to get into a loan with less than twenty percent. Absolutely, one hundred thousand has turned into three hundred thousand. Right. So when uh, you talk to Mitch and you go to Mitch.loans, explore these options. You're down payment, what the projected increase in the house is going to be, and what your equity position will be down the road. Those are the kind of things that Mitch will walk you through when you do a process with him and you're going to get a loan. So start things off right now at Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. 
Are you guys back to the uh, Ron and Don show? And hey, don't forget if you need us, uh, we are your real estate agents. Just reach out. And if you're in the region, you can hear our voice. We can help you. So all you need to do is go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And uh, we have some exciting properties that are bringing up this week. In fact, we have one coming on Thursday that we can't wait to tell you more about on Thursday. All right. Before we get to that, though, before we get out of here, are you showering uh, correctly? Uh, a new article out, and I have to say, my my showering has evolved over the years. And to be very personal, I just kind I I love to take a shower, and sometimes I take a shower a couple times a day because when you go to work out and if you have to go to a meeting after that, you want to take a shower. And I also find a lot of times when I wake up in the morning, I want to take a shower, and so what I will do is I typically turn on some music, I light a candle. I may listen to yeah. I may listen to a podcast. I have a big walk-in show. It's my favorite room in the house, right? Because the tub's there, and their mirrors are there, so I can see my fifty-six-year-old uh, uh, body do some flexing in the mirror. I know you do that. <laughs> we all do, right? You, you try to see if you can spot an ab. I ever I look every once in a while, see if I can see an ab. And I think it's important to look at yourself in the mirror when you're naked and look at all the imperfections and love yourself anyway. In fact, my son, I've taught him to do that. I've said, hey. You know what? All you got is you. Take care of you. Eat right. We'll exercise. We'll join team sports. We'll keep moving. We'll have a great life. We'll stay curious. We'll love others. We'll serve our community. And your body is going to be your body. This is the only one that you get. So we're spending a lot more time uh, taking care of it. And I said, hey, you know, sometimes he'll look in the mirror and he gets upset because he's a little overweight as he's going through puberty. And I said, wherever you're, you're at, man, you got to you, you got to learn to love that person in the mirror. So I uh, do a little loving of myself. Then I jump in the shower. I take a quick shower. Uh, this is typically when I shave my legs and arms, though. If you want to go into that, we can. Uh, also, I will get out and floss my teeth. After I floss my teeth, I get my automatic toothbrush. I do some automatic toothbrushing. And then I like the three-in-one body soap, conditioner, because my hair is kind of at the point where I don't think you can help it much with $300 shampoo. So just some suave or a bar soap or whatever, like our friend Gary, 55, does uh, is fine for me. And then I'll I'll pee in the shower, and I walk around in the pee a little bit because that's good for you. It's good for your feet, actually. And then also, I don't I don't washcloth my legs or any, anything, but I do washcloth uh, some certain areas. And then at the end, what I will do is I will soap down one more time, and then I turn the shower on cold, and for, uh, for at least a minute, and my head goes first, and then the rest of my body, I will cold plunge in the shower for at least a minute. Uh, and later on in the day, sometimes I'll cold plunge a little longer. So I think it's a little silly that people are, are going out and buying these really expensive bathtubs. It's a bathtub! That's what a cold plunge It's a bathtub! And you could do the same thing in a shower. So if you haven't tried one, try going from, from a warm, hot shower to a cold plunging shower at the end. You can add more time. And I will tell you, it does release positive endorphins and serotonin. It's very, very good for you. But I don't think you have to go out and buy a $10,000 cold plunge or follow someone on an app. I think you can probably figure that out yourself. And if all you can add is 15, 30, 45 seconds or a minute, Stick your head in there first, splash some water on your face, get your hands and feet in there, and the next thing you know, you'll be All able to- All the way cold? Yeah, you'll be able to take a cold shower at the end. But you, you, you can't, you have to go, I go, 
you, you, you turn it all the way cold, you step back, I three, two, one, and you step into it. And I will tell you, once you're in there and you're, you get a little numb for the first 15 seconds, it's very invigorating. And when I come out of that, I always feel great and in a better mood. So this article that you sent me suggested that you and me, we should not wash our hair more than three times a week and only shower when we can smell ourselves. <laughs> What did you? What are you going to start uh, taking up that advice? No, because I, I I already have people in the family that do that sometimes, and it's called my thirteen year old son going through puberty, and uh, it just reminds me. I, I think it depends on your level of activity. My level of activity every. In fact, my I have a, a Garmin watch that warns me that I've done too much activity today, and I need to go ahead and recover. That, that comes up every single day. So I really think it depends on your level of activity. There's no way that you can go on a run in the mud of Discovery Park uh, and and come back and not take a shower because you're just you, – you. so I, I, I think it depends on what you're doing. But for someone, for instance, that is not working out during the day, they're not doing a lot of moving, uh, yeah, I get I, – I guess that's okay, but that that that's that doesn't work over here at Don's place. So. I just, these these articles always crack me up because it's sort of like, well, how do, do you shower? What's your system? I think you just do what feels no, no, no. What's right. your si- my I, system I, is? What's your system? If I have a system, I go in there. I have a uh, I do the regular shower. I wash my hair, condition my hair, rubber ducky, anything. Uh, I I recently within the last year started washing my face for like the first time in my life. Really? I used to just let the water run off my face. I've never had acne or anything. Yeah. So now I have a face cleanser. You never had acne? No. Wow. Never. I what mean, a gift, man. Yeah, so yeah. I, it just was like it's working for me. I still I have, get acne. There's a zit right there. I have a water jet flosser cuz I don't like to floss. Yeah. Uh so I do the water jet. And then it's just the normal. I, I don't. I do wash- you pee? Do you pee on your feet? Uh, it's good for it. Sometimes I do. Yeah. The I hate washcloths. I have those little uh, poofy, plasticky things or whatever yeah. they are. Yeah. Uh, so I have a couple of those that I use in various body parts, and that's kind of it. Do you like, look in the mirror and and love what you see? Uh, right now I want to lose some weight. Yeah. I mean, I love myself as a human being can you look in the mirror though and accept the weight of where you're even though because i could accept it i'm not happy with it like i I understand how i got here i was just looking today i was trying to find an old photograph and i found some pictures uh from just three years ago uh with with at a drastically different weight for me i was like okay like that's not that long ago like i can i can uh figure this out and get get back into that neighborhood if you will so yeah like i i think I've I've read those things for a long time about oh don't wash your hair every day and it strips it of its oils and all this It's like eh I don't know like I don't know I I get it because every once in a while you'll skip a day and it's like oh my hair's not too bad today but like the the prospect of taking three showers a week ah <laughs> it's just not my jam I like it makes me feel like I'm ready to yeah. tackle my day no you would not like me if I took three showers a week you would not I don't like you now when you take two showers a day. <laughs> Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. We sure do appreciate you. Thanks for making us your broadcasters, your friends, and your real estate agents. Working on some great properties right now throughout the Puget Sound. And people always ask us, hey, do you work down in Tacoma? We just sold a home for $125,000 over in Tacoma. Of course we do. We've sold homes from Wenatchee up to Everett. Of course, here in Seattle, over on the east side, Fedway, Auburn, all over the place. And even out on places like Woodby Island. Yeah, we sold a really cool 
uh, cabin on Woodby Island last year with an ADU. Love that house and space. New construction? Yeah, we could do all that. And Ron, if you're a buyer in this marketplace, I will tell people the feds are going to jack rates one more time. They're not going to jack it real high. This is 13 jacks. Can you believe that? that they do? And, and then they're saying they're going to take a pause. I think the bank failures have actually helped us. Because it's made people go, wow, I need to tap the brakes here on going out and borrowing money. And I think it's helping us with inflation here. So if you're a buyer, don't forget, you can buy that house now. You can buy down the rate over the next year or two. I believe those interest rates are going to go down in the next year or two. And then you can refinance. The deals that you see now are going to go away. We see buyers now re-entering the marketplace. They thought, I'll wait till spring because there'll be lots and lots of homes that come on. And still, we have a building problem in America, and specifically here in Puget Sound. And what happened with a lot of these builders, they stopped building. They stopped acquiring property. So right now, you don't have to compete against them because they're probably going to sit on their hands and wait till they see what happens after this next interest rate jumps because they have to go out and borrow money too for the house that they're building for you, right? So money is very expensive for them. And then they're like, well, maybe I'll go get some hard money. Well, And we'll explain that on our real estate-only edition of the Ron and Don Show. But buyers, listen to me. The deals that are in the marketplace right now, you can go out and compete. If you're an FHA buyer where you're not putting a lot of money down, you can actually compete right now. But those opportunities are going to go away. They just are. So. Yeah, contact me, Ron at ronandon.com. You can do the website, ronandonsitdown.com. Let's get in the game. This can be your biggest wealth builder for you and your family uh, above and beyond anything else, especially in this market. Yeah, and if you need me, Don O'Neill, on social media, I'm looking for a chef right now for some of my Airbnbs, so give me a holler. And then uh, also you'll see some of the really cool properties uh, that are coming on that we'll be posting this week as well. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, you guys. It's the Ron and Don Show. All night on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>